welcome to One Way to Travel the World. I am your host, Lisa Tiller, and together we'll be traveling the globe one fabulous female author at a time. For this episode, which is in fact the very first episode, we'll be starting in my home country of England with a memoir from Cash Carraway called Skint Estate. I'd fully intended to begin this journey with an Agatha Christie classic. I love her stories, but I saw Cash one morning on BBC Breakfast and I just knew it had to be my first book. I've created this podcast in an attempt to make just a little space for women's voices from around the world to be heard and celebrated, to challenge my own preconceptions. And though no one woman's story can be the voice for all of the women in that country, this journey will hopefully be able to give us at least a small sense of what it's like to live as a woman in that place. It's my absolute dream to travel the world, but one that I know for me is pretty unlikely. This way, reading a book from every country, I'll get around the globe in one form or another. After all, it's one way to travel the world. compiled a list of the top 10 places for us to visit while we're here in England. I simply tied up all the recommendation blogs and listicles of where's best to go and these are the results. First up at number 10 we have the Cotswolds. Almost 800 square miles and running through five counties, it's safe to say this one attraction has lots to offer. I've personally never been so it's all from online at cotswolds.com this information but they reckon we should explore quintessentially English villages of honey-coloured stone, take in splendid lively market towns, see the palaces, castles and country houses, walk through breathtaking landscapes along historic trails and make a splash in the inland beach. Next up at number nine, we have the British Museum in London. Free to enter, there we'll discover collections that span over two million years of human history. And ironically, there we'll find treasures of cultures from all around the world. In at number eight, we're visiting Bath and the Roman Baths. The streets of Bath come straight from a Jane Austen novel, Persuasion and Northanger Abbey to be exact. A must-visit spot is the sweeping crescent of townhouses called the Royal Crescent and the Circus. A trip to Bath wouldn't be complete without seeing the Roman Baths. Though again, full disclosure, I haven't been. I've been to Bath, but I've not been to the Roman Baths. So I know I have just contradicted myself there. For number seven, we'll be taking a tour of the Tower of London. The crown jewels are the big draw here as well as hearing the history of the place and its prisoners from the Beefeaters. We'll get to meet the Ravens, 
and we'll also see if we can spot any of its grisly ghosts or ghouls. Next up for number six, we are heading to Glastonbury Tor. A hill near, you guessed it, Glastonbury, is topped by St Michael's Tower, a grade one listed building. From the top, we'll be able to see for miles all around us. For number five, we're heading back to London to see Tate Modern. It's an art gallery, we'll see some art and ponder the meanings of it all. For number four, we're heading to Cornwall, to the Eden Project. There we'll find the largest indoor rainforest in the world, with plants collected from many diverse climates and environments. In at number three is Stonehenge. We're off to Wiltshire to visit this prehistoric stone monument, one of the wonders of the world. Just how did they do it? In at number two is a place very close to my heart. I've been here a lot. It is the Lake District. Here we'll hike the fells of mountains to marvel at the beauty of the land below. Stunning any time of the year, each season brings its own charm. An absolute must visit. And in at number one, England's most recommended attraction is York Minster. Here in York, we'll stop by York Minster, a very old and very grand cathedral. We'll climb to the top to see the best views in York before heading below to journey through its underground chambers. research into England's most influential female figures. Though there's so many throughout England's history, I haven't been able to include them all, otherwise we'd be here forever. These women that I've included in my list are by no means saints, apart from the one that is actually a saint. But apart from her, I don't necessarily agree with all of their methods or ideas or beliefs but there is no denying that in one way or another these women have made massive strides for women in this country and that is why they're on the list. These are in no particular order uh, so we're going to be jumping around in history a bit but let's give it a go anyway. Kicking off with Beachy Head Lady from 200 to or 250 AD. I know that sounds like I've made up her name, but I haven't. It's kind of a nickname. Little is known about her, but in 2014, the skeleton of Beachy Head Lady and some others that were found in the 19th century were re-examined with fresh eyes and new technology. So called after the spot she was discovered in, 
Beachy Head Lady was found to have been of sub-Saharan African descent and held a high position in Roman society, though she was between 20 and 21 when she died. Her discovery proves the presence of sub-Saharan Africans in Britain way back during the Roman rule. Marie Stopes lived from 1880 to 1958. She was the first woman on the faculty of the University of Manchester and founded the first birth control clinic in the UK. Run by midwives and doctors, they offered birth control advice and birth control methods. The clinics Marie set up continued on after her death, but financial difficulties meant that they went into receivership by 1975. A year later, Marie Stopes International was established, starting its overseas work in New Delhi, India in 1978. Today it works in over 40 countries and has 452 clinics. to the saint now with Saint Hild of Whitby lived 614 to 680 AD she founded a monastery in 657 AD which was home to both nuns and monks under her tutelage five of her monks became bishops and one became the very first English poet after she had declared his wordsmithery as a divine gift from God her rule became so respected that kings and princes sought her advice. After her death, she became the patron saint of 14 medieval churches, and in 1893, her name was given to St Hilda's College in Oxford. In 61 AD, Boudicca, the badass warrior queen of Iceni, today's areas of Norfolk and Suffolk in England, led a revolt against the Romans and their rule when they took away her kingdom after her husband died. They publicly flogged her, Roman soldiers raped her daughters and other family members were enslaved. These outrages provoked the Iceni and other tribes to rebel. Boudicca and her allies captured the Roman settlement of Colchester and burned London and St Albans to the ground. They weren't to be the victors in the end though, as the Romans challenged Boudicca in what was to be the final battle. 80,000 Britons were reported to have been killed compared to just 400 Romans. Boudicca wasn't killed in the battle. Instead, she took poison to not be taken alive by the Romans. It wasn't until 410 AD that Britain would be rid of the Romans. most modern woman to be making a difference is Diane Abbott. From 1953, and she's still going strong, it was in 1987 that Diane became the first black woman ever to be elected to Parliament. She is the longest serving black MP in the House of Commons and is also the first black female Shadow Home Secretary. Diane is the founder of the London School and the Black Child Initiative aimed at raising achievement levels of black pupils in London and nationwide. For over a decade, Diane has campaigned in Parliament to highlight the specific challenges black and Asian pupils face in education, often resulting in those pupils doing less well compared to their peers. Florence Nightingale lived from 1820 to 1910. 
and it is thanks to Florence that keeping hospitals clean and free from infection is paramount in healthcare today. It was when she was asked to take charge of nurses to centre the hospitals of the Crimean War that she was appalled by the sights and conditions the injured soldiers were being kept in. She campaigned to improve the quality of nursing and gave evidence that helped set up the Army Medical College in 1859. Up until her death, Florence encouraged the development of nursing in Britain and abroad. Octavia Hill was born in 1838 and died in 1912. Don't you just love that name, Octavia? She was a social reformer who helped to develop social housing for the poor and was one of the National Trust founders. Emmeline Pankhurst lived from 1858 to 1928. She was a political activist who, after the peaceful protests for women's rights to vote proved unsuccessful, founded the Women's Social and Political Union that used militant protest tactics and organised demonstrations. Emmeline was imprisoned many times, but halted all suffragette actions during World War I. It was the help the women gave during the war that convinced the government to give partial voting rights to women. Emmeline continued to lobby for women to vote until her death just a couple of weeks before her hard work paid off and women received full voting rights. Olive Morris was born in 1952 and died in 1979. Though she was only 27 when she died of cancer, Olive tirelessly campaigned for black rights and black women's rights throughout her life. She co-founded various organisations and campaigned for access to education, decent living conditions for black communities and fought against state and police repression. Last on my list for female figures that made a real impact in England's history is Jane Austen. She lived from 1775 until 1817. Her literary work is still lauded around the world today with her most famous novel of course being Pride and Prejudice. But it wasn't until her nephew wrote a biography about her which was published in 1869 that Victorian society became fascinated by her and later her novels, propelling her to be one of the most influential literary figures to date. Ahead of her time, her work wasn't understood or admired as it is today. I'm going to be talking about our first author on our journey, uh, Cash Carraway. However, her story is a memoir, so talking about her as an author and her in her story, it kind of mixes together, so I'm going to just make it one section. A playwright, author and spoken word artist from Penge in London, Skin Estate is Cash's first book. It's a memoir about everything she has 
done and had to do in order to keep a roof over her and her daughter's head. She had a tough upbringing, with a violent mother and uncaring father. She was kicked out of the family home at 16 and has been on the move every six months or so ever since. Skint Estate is a completely no-holds-barred account of her experiences with domestic violence, loneliness, homelessness and doing what you must to survive. It's so raw and open, it, it shows the true extent of what someone can be pushed to and still find the strength and the will to keep going. It's completely opened my eyes to what women in desperate situations below the poverty line are forced by the government to put up with, what they must be seen to be grateful for because otherwise they'd have nothing, and how the government will find any loophole they can to strip these undeserving women of the benefits they don't deserve. Cash shows us time and again her resourcefulness as we go through her memoir and she's showing us what it's like to live life below the poverty line, stuck in a never-ending cycle of universal credit, zero hours contracts, rising rents, credit checks and public service funding cuts and not even able to earn minimum wage. I can't say I enjoyed it because it's the true story of what has happened to her, her experiences and she's gone through a lot of shit but in saying that it was her writing style, her words it was cash that kept me coming back and reading this it was hard and graphic at times but it was completely necessary to to pack the punch that it needs to pack it's a true tale of how the British government are failing many of its own citizens, and this needs to change. In 2010, Cash was in a woman's refuge watching David Cameron being voted in by the British public. But by being in a women's refuge and having no permanent address, she had lost her right to vote. Hers and many other women in her position, their voices were lost. But this is a, a call to arms to get women to, to raise their voice in any way they can, to be heard, to not be silenced, to know that it's okay to stutter and not know exactly what you're going to say in every moment and when you're speaking to someone that thinks they know more about politics than you. It's clear the government does not represent everyone as it should. Many women in this country are being failed. Just one start would be to make period products free for all women. Period poverty is a real thing and Cash goes through that in, in her memoir too. Not everyone can afford £18,000 over their lifetime for sanitary products. So making them free for everyone, every woman that needs them is just a drop in the ocean of what needs to be done by the government. But like I say, it's raw, it's edgy, it's no holds barred, it's, it's a must read. It, it has to be by everyone. The only way we can make a difference 
is by finding out different people's stories and learning from their experiences to make things better. So this is a must read. So that's it for our time in England and we say goodbye and thank you to Cash Caraway. You can let me know your thoughts by getting in contact on Twitter at One Way to Travel, following the journey on Instagram at One Way to Travel the World, or you can find out more about the podcast on the website onewaytotravelworld.weebly.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this, please leave a five-star review as it will help others to find it too. Join me in the next podcast when our journey will continue on to Mali, where we'll be in the company of Maurice Conda and her novel Segu. Subscribe and let's travel this globe together, one fabulous female author at a time. As women, we need to raise each other up, so be sure to compliment that woman you saw with the great shoes. When you see a woman struggling to create space for her voice to be heard, help her create it. When you break that glass ceiling for women everywhere, don't have it repaired to make it just as hard for the next woman that comes along. Keep smashing it open wider and wider and do everything you can to bring more women through with you. There's more than enough room for us all. And as a wise woman once said, we are fire meant to blaze trails. <laughs>